The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1984, Episode 5, Opening Night Jitters. In this episode, we will cover the month of October, Part 2. On that same day, October 15th, that Julian Lennon released his debut album, The Lot, Paul and Linda McCartney land in New York for a series of television promotions for the film Give My Regards to Broad Street. While in New York, the McCartneys attend a luncheon at the Jockey Club, hosted by the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. McCartney is honored with an ASCAP award for his outstanding composing contributions to music. As one of the world's most successful and prolific songwriters, Paul McCartney was honored at a luncheon given by his peers, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. This really is something, I was a little kid, I, I don't think I would have dreamed of this in my wildest dreams. So I'd like to thank all of you very much for this great honor, and I can't believe I'm in this room with all these songs. Thank you very much. Attended by some of the music world's most notable songwriters. He's the best ballad writer around. And then he has a great sense of humor and doesn't let you stick around inside of a ballad and starts to get to you with a lot of his humor and, and loves to play music. It's kind of a thank you from all the other writers who kind of write on people's coattails like Paul McCartney and people like that. He has impeccable taste. I don't know if it means anything to him, but actually... Um, to us, it's just the idea that I got a chance to see, uh, I didn't have to come to a concert or something. I got a chance to rub shoulders at a close distance, or, you know, so I know about the awards. 
But for a man who's received just about every musical award imaginable, this one had special significance. It's actually uh, the writers themselves sort of uh, involved in this, so it's kind of special because I really respect their work so much. ASCAP is the composer's own society. It's like a, a very honor, a great honor to get this from your peers, so it's a great honor. To celebrate ASCAP's 70th anniversary, Paul was given a commemorative photograph of ASCAP's first banquet in 1914, and it was signed by songwriters spanning 50 years. Later that afternoon, while at the Jockey Club, Paul sat down with Pat Collins of the CBS Morning News for a Broad Street promotional interview. Does the film, in a way, serve as a long video that it's preferable, perhaps, to touring and other ways today of promoting an album? I think you can't, I can't deny that. But that's not the main reason. I mean, I'm, I'd kind of go out and tour myself, you know, once I got all this stuff out the way. But I've just been working very hard the last uh, two years, he said, looking at his watch. Would you tour again? Was that yeah. buried in that sentence? That was that buried idea in that there? statement. Yes. Uh, that was just a little hidden reference <laughs> little hidden. to the fact. No, I just, I'm aware that people have asked me that, you know, kind of, uh, and I think buried in their question is, since John died, would you tour again? I think that's basically what we're getting at here, Pat. And um, I, I do like that. So I haven't ruled it out. You know. What's the downside of touring other than the security reasons? Or is that the only downside? No, that's not the only side. No, this, I, I don't think there's a... I think there was always security problems. I hate to say it, but I think, you know, just walking out on the street, um, I don't think I'm any more vulnerable. If you think about it. Um, you know, it, ordinary people get mugged probably more than famous people do, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, we're in this kind of society. So you know what I do? A lot of that. As McCartney crosses his fingers... CBS schedules this interview to air in three parts in two weeks. McCartney. The mystery. The music. The movie. Paul McCartney. Give my regards to Broad Street. Rated PG. Starts Friday, October 26th at a selected theater near you. On the next day, October 16th, at the Plaza Hotel in New York City, McCartney gives a full day of promotional interviews to American and Canadian TV journalists. The first interview is for the Canadian Broadcasting Company's TV show, The Journal, with Barbara Frum. Your old gag, let's write this song so we can buy a house. Okay, let's write this song so we can buy a car. Let's buy this song so we can buy a pool. What drives you now? In truth, that was a gag. You know, it, it was true that while John and I but were sitting down... But it bought you a couple of houses. Uh, pool, too. No, it's true. When uh, John and I were sitting down, because we were young guys and weren't used to money, um, one of the factors uh, was that we would say, you know, let's write a pool. 
Uh, and that was great, it was a good motivating thing, but in truth, it wasn't the main motivating factor. We wanted to be artists. We were kind of bohemian-type students at the time. You know, a lot of people were. And it was the art of it that we were really involved in. Um, but incidentally, it brought a pool, you know, so we latched onto that aspect and we'd say, okay, you know, now let's ride a bus. You know, so we had, we had fun with that idea. But in actual fact, it wasn't the main thing, so now uh, the money aspect isn't the incentive. It's really just that I still enjoy to do it as much as I ever did. Paul then gave 10 minutes to Ginny Beaker with Toronto City TV's The New Music. How important is the success of this film to you? It's important, because uh, anything you do, you want, it, you want it to be successful. And we put a lot of work into it. Uh, I've kind of laid it on the line by the fact that I've written it. So that's, it's sort of doubly important from that angle. Um, I saw an interview with James Kahn who said, however, if a film doesn't do well, I won't commit suicide. It's not that important. And I do like to take that attitude. There are things that are more important to me. But I'd like it to be a success. But perhaps you'd be touring this year, because there were sort of rumors floating around, and then all of a sudden you weren't going to tour, but you did come up with a film. Was your film almost an answer to a tour, like instead of? Uh, well, you know, almost. At the beginning uh, of making the film, I did think, uh, you know, if I don't tour, then the film can go on tour. But actually, during the making of it, um, uh, the music's mainly live from the film, so we were playing it live there and then with what, something of an audience, you know, it turned out to mainly be film crew and dancers and actors and stuff. But it was almost the same as doing a live yeah, concert. Uh, should we try Not Such a Bad Boy? All right. One, two, three, four.
The next 10 minutes was given to Atlanta, Georgia's TV show, Cinema Showcase, with host Jim Whaley. Welcome to the program, Paul McCarty. Paul, thanks for taking this time out. It's good to see you. Thanks, Joe. It's been a long time between movies for you, hasn't it? Uh, what made you decide to do this film? Um, probably just that, because it's been a long time. Um, when I look back on the making uh, Hard Day's Night and Help, I remembered that I really enjoyed it. You know, it's a great experience making a movie. You know, most people want to do it anyway. And I'm not that different. Uh, I enjoyed the whole ambience uh, and the teamwork. You know, I'm kind of working with a bunch of creative people, trying to create some kind of illusion. Um, so I wanted to do it again. Yeah. Well, I think it's worked beautifully. Thank you very much, sir. And I think you, uh, you made your debut as a screenwriter here, too. Mm-hmm. So you had your hands full on this one, didn't you? I did, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, it was nice, because I, I was able to kind of have a little bit more input than mm -hmm. uh, before. Uh, Ralph Richardson, the great late Ralph Richardson, made his last film appearance mm -hmm. in your film. What was he like to work with? Sensational. Um, I was very in awe of him, as I think, you know, most people would be, because... He's a great kind of old English actor, you know, and uh, sort of definitely old school of kind of acting. Hello? Hello, Jim. Oh, it's you. What are you doing here? Slubbing, are we? Come in, sir. Thanks. But he had a twinkle in his eye, you know, he was just as a, f a funny fella. It's a great laugh. And he was very young inside, you know. You see, I may not look to you like a poet. At first glance, you mightn't think it. You wouldn't like to look at some poems of mine, would you? Thanks all the same, Jim, but uh, I've got to be off. You've been off for years. In actual fact, he was very easy to work with. You know, I expected it to be difficult. He was an old actor, and I was quite a bit younger, and I'd written it, so I sort of said to him, look, you know, if you want to change any of this, he said, no, 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 we'll do it just as it's written. And um, it was so easy. We got on the set, and it just flowed. We just did it. Uh, it was very charming. And in the end, I said to him, well, look, you know, really, thanks very much for doing this. I mean, I wrote the screen time. You know, I was very nervous because you're pretty hot stuff. And uh, so thanks for doing this. I, I hope it was okay. And he said, not a comma out of place. <laughs> what a compliment, too. No, no. What's next for you? Um, tea, I think. like to do in, uh, with the film in America there's a short going out with it which is an animated uh, featurette mm -hmm. it's called Rupert uh, he's a little bear it's 
cartoon character. And for years I've been talking about doing the feature of that. You know, the one and a half hours, like the Disney one. Um, I'd, like, I'd like that to be next. Right. Well, I want to wish you success with that, and congratulations on giving my regards to Rod Street. I love this guy, don't you? Just love him. Thanks, Paul. His eyes, he's got the bluest eyes I've ever seen. then greeted Atlanta's Don Smith of TV's Rock Review. to take songs and to show what happened before and after. For instance, this interview. I'm going to walk out of here and kind of go and do something else. And it was really just to show the audience uh, what, to give some kind of indication or a story of what might happen before you actually see me come up and stand. I live pretty simply these days. Now, I used to uh, like drink a lot, yay, go for it and stuff, and be down clubs and stuff, but I don't really do too much of that anymore. Uh, because I used to basically go to clubs to look for girls, actually, you know, if, if you want the truth. And uh, when you get married, I mean, the game's up, isn't it? <laughs> Can't go looking no more. I often walk down Madison Avenue, go in the shops, and, uh, and it's great. Somewhere like uh, New York, uh, the people, I don't think they really want to be seen to be drips. So they kind of, you know, want to respect your privacy, Paul. All right, yo, love the video. Hey. And that's how it goes, kind of thing, you know, so it's just, all right, and we, they don't really hassle me. Next, Nancy Glass of PM Magazine interviews Paul. What do you hope this movie does for you? I would just like it to be a success, uh, because then I would feel that I wasn't a bad screenwriter, uh, that I wasn't a bad actor, and that I wasn't a bad musician. And any reinforcement and encouragement I can get on those three fronts, I'll, I'll take. Do you really need reinforcement or encouragement? Yes, yes, like all of us. Do you ever meet a person who didn't? I read that you said sometimes a song just sits down and writes itself. Which song? Uh, there's a song in the film, uh, the song in the film uh, called No Values. <laughs> That was written uh, by a dream. The Stones were there on stage, and Jagger was up front you know, doing this whole big song. And uh, it was this song called No Values. I kind of woke up, I think, I like that one of the Stones. Said, Wait a minute, they haven't done one called No Values. Do do, tilt. And uh, so I thought, well, I'd better write it then. The last interview at the plaza was given to Eileen Prouse from Boston's morning TV show, Good Day. What's the best thing, though, that came out of Paul McCartney? Solo. Often run Best piece of music? No, the best just... thing for you creatively now. Um, the freedom, really, I think, to do pretty much what I want to do, which is sort of everyone's dream, really. Mm. And uh, I suppose I've finally reached that point where I can do that. What next? What next? I would like to make uh, a kind of Disney-type animated feature for children. Why? Because uh, I love cartoons. <laughs> I love them. And um, I, I love those things like Lady and the Tramp, 
and I can still watch that real happily. Yeah? Me too. I love all that stuff. And kids love it, our kids all love it. And uh, I think it's a great art form myself, that. I mean, I wouldn't be ashamed to be involved with something like that. And uh, going out with Broad Street, there is a short of the character I'd like to make into a feature. It's called Rupert. So maybe we'll get that into a feature next year. Great. If so, I hope I have a chance to talk to you again. Thank you, Great. Paul, very okay. much. Congratulations. Terrific. Thank you very friend. much. It was around this time that the 1982 court case of parties Paul McCartney and the estate of John Lennon versus ATV Music, now owned by majority shareholder Robert Holmes Accord, was agreed to in an out-of-court settlement. ATV agrees to pay two million pounds total to both parties and increase their royalty rate. It is also disclosed that Holmes Accord has put up for sale to the highest bidder the entire ATV catalog, along with two offices, a recording studio, and studio equipment. four bids have been proposed. The bidders are Virgin Records, CEO and Chairman of Sony Music Marty Bandier, along with ex-executive for EMI Charles Kuppelman, New York real estate tycoon Samuel J. LaFrock, and financier Charles Knapp. 
the bidding catches the attention of McCartney. After a full day of movie promotion interviews at the Plaza Hotel in New York City, Paul and Linda board a plane en route to Chicago for more Broad Street promotions. Yesterday, McCartney. All my troubles seem so far the man. away. The music. The movie. Paul McCartney. Give my regards to Broad Street. Rated PG. On October 18th, Paul and Linda arrive at the Ritz-Carlton, Chicago. The first interview is given to the morning show AM Chicago with host Oprah Winfrey. The show begins with a solo interview between Oprah and Linda. What does she get for all the love she gave you? There on the ladder of regret. I river, give her all she gave. I'm so delighted to be talking to Linda McCartney. I want you to know that since I was 12, I wanted to marry Paul. And Good. you got him. Good, I got him. <laughs> I'll, got I'll have a word with him. Say <laughs> See if I should move over and you how, can move in. How did you really get him? I know that you were a photojournalist and doing some rock photographs and mm. so forth. But can you tell us the story? Well, I really got him with a fishing rod. As I said to you, half jokingly, uh, that since I was 12, I wanted, you know, mm -hmm. wanted to marry Paul. You have the, everybody dream, used to dream about him and think about him. And I'm sure that you get a lot of women coming on to him still. Mm. Mm. How do you handle that? Um... I don't really worry about it. I think that's how I handle it. I sort of have an attitude. Everybody's free, and, you know, if something happened and somebody came up to Paul, I just sort of stand there. I'm quite emotional, so I just hide my feelings pretty much. You do? You just stand there and let him? Well, no, well, tell me how bad does it get, because I have a, another friend who has a boyfriend who's very well known, and she says that women are so blatant that when she is standing right there, they'll come and slip their phone numbers to him. Yeah, I think, well, Paul handles it so well. He, he treats me with respect. I think if he sort of played up to them, I'd be different, but he's sort of just cool about it, so... It, makes, it doesn't make me in the defensive position. Has there ever been a time where there were some women and you just wanted to slap her? No, strangle maybe, but not <laughs> slap <laughs> Recently? Um, not in, in that sense, about other things. About yeah. other things? Yeah, definitely. We'll be back with more of Linda McCartney in a moment on AM Chicago. Bright are the stars that shine Dark is the sky I know this love of mine will never die, and I love her. What brings you the greatest pleasure in the world? My family and my animals, and life itself, I think. Just waking up in the morning and being glad, I'm glad to be there. Are you glad to be? Do you consider yourself Mrs. Paul McCartney or Linda McCartney? Um, well, I don't really go by names and labels. You know that there's an expression, a rose is a rose by any other name? Mm hmm So I consider, I don't know, I'm just this... Are you happy? Being. Are you happy? That's my final question. Some days I'm happy and some days I'm not. Right now I'm happy. 
Well, right now you made me happy too, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you. Linda McCartney. We'll be back in a moment. Be back in a moment. This has got to be the biggest thrill of my life. You don't know this. Paul McCartney, ladies and gentlemen. But when I was a little girl, I used to have all the Beatle pictures on the wall. This is the truth. Big posters covering each wall. And I'd get up in the morning, and my mom would let me eat my Cheerios in the bedroom. And I'd go to your picture, swear, and I'd say, God, please let me meet Paul one day. And this is the day, and I thank you, and I and thank, thank you, God. And I thank him, well, too. Isn't, isn't it wonderful? That's amazing. Were you yeah. thinking about me all that time, too? Well, most of the time, yeah. Just through a couple of days, I didn't. <laughs> I have to admit. That you didn't. Yeah, but, you know, most of the time. It's just so amazing because during that whole period where people were picking up beetle grass and beetle sheets and all that kind of stuff, what did that do to your psyche? I often wondered how in the world do you stay a person I think really the truth is you kind of ignored most of that stuff, you know, when they were saying they were cutting up the bed sheets and selling them off and stuff. Richie Victor at our station. Yeah. Sold those bed sheets. Yeah, that's so I hear. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you, you can't believe all that stuff. You know, it's just part of the myth and the legend and stuff. You, uh, you just really have to... Um, Ignore it, really. When did, did like, it, like I'm trying to ignore that curtain that's <laughs> whacking that window. The sound people are all going mad. Earlier I was talking to Linda about everybody having to grow up at some point. When do you think you really grew up? Uh, really grew, start to grow up probably yeah. when I got married. When you got married? I think so, yeah. Till then, you know, it's, uh, there was kind of no reason to grow up, really. You know. But when you get married and you get kids, well, then you've kind of got to... You've got to start thinking a little bit. You know, I, I think it's so terrific because what I admire about you, aside from the fact that you're Paul McCartney, is that you really seem to adore your wife and give her, you know, her dues, the respect that she deserves. Yeah, we're lucky, really, you yeah. know. I mean, we're just lucky to like each other a lot, so uh, it comes easy. Give my regard to Broad Street. As I saw it, I said to myself, halfway through, I said, this is great fantasy. And I'm, I don't know, I won't give it away, but it is great fantasy. Thank you very much. Obviously, this movie was a labor of love, but are you in any way worried about what the critics are going to say about it? Well, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be a liar to say I wasn't, didn't care what they say, but um, I read a James, I heard a James Kahn interview that impressed me. He kind of said, you know, if it's a flop, I won't commit suicide. Mm -hmm. And that's my attitude, you know, it's not uh, the be-all and end-all. Is all of this your money in this movie? Nope. 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 Well, 20th Century Fox. Oh, well, then. So you don't have to shoot yourself. Well, well I can't. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to see, though, when we come, when, when we go to that movie, can we give my regards yeah. to Broad Street, and we leave there, yeah. what is it you wanted us to come out with? Well, I'd like people to go in with, is, 
just looking for a good evening out. You know, don't be expecting kind of Shakespeare or anything heavy or anything deep or significant. It's really a bunch of music. It's a, a pleasant storyline, nice humor, kind of gentle thing. I'd like you to really come out not feeling cheated, one, because you do come out of a lot of movies you think, I wish I hadn't gone. Oh, five bucks, good. Go yeah, on. you know. Yeah. So I'd like you to feel like you spent your money wisely. And I like to come out with a warm glow. What do you? Uh, this is one final question. I swear I'm going to stick to time cues. For all those fans out there who've loved you and adored you and want to kill me now because I am sitting next to you, what do you have anything you want to say to them? And I know that you don't probably think about fans in terms of oh gee they're out there and they're loving me, but how do you feel about oh, it? When you sort of sit down and think about gee there are all these people who love me. Um, I think it's great really because I was a fan myself once. I still am. Something, but I mean. Before I got into showbiz, I waited round stage doors, you know, in Liverpool. And um, so I kind of, I know what it feels like to like someone, and I just want to thank you for liking me. Thank you, Paul McCartney. Back in a moment. Yo. Yo. Yo, Rocky. <laughs> The next interview held at the Ritz-Carlton is given to Janet Davis for ABC TV's Eyewitness News. Are your kids impressed by what you are and what you were? They make fun of it. I can't get away with a thing with them. But, you know, I, I like it that way. Keep my feet on the ground. McCartney has become infamous for his drug arrests. His defense of marijuana is still strong, but carefully explained. There are plenty of stimulants, relaxants or whatever in our society that are out there and that are considered legal. Some of them are probably more harmful than marijuana. Booze, I think, is probably more debilitating. You know, if kids ask me, what do you advise us to do, you know, in life, I'd say do nothing, you know, keep straight, because that's really the best. Well, if you want to see more of Paul, his movie opens in Chicagoland next Friday. It also stars Paul's wife, Linda, another former Beatle, Ringo, and Ringo's wife, actress Barbara Bach. A real family affair, John. <laughs> Tough assignment. As ABC News exits, WSUI News Channel 8 enters with reporter Chris Thomas. Entertainment reviewer Chris Thomas says, like any first effort, this one has some problems. Chris talked with McCartney about his new pet project in this review. Actually, what we're trying to make was an entertainment piece. Uh, it's a kind of light comedy, you know, it's not uh, hard-hitting, it's not satirical, it's not a kind of Monty Python or Saturday Night Live type humor. It's quite a gentle picture, really. I think the real worry about doing it is that I know that the people who are going to criticize me are all writers. <laughs> Every single one of them thinks they can do it better. This was Paul's first attempt at script writing and the movie director's first feature film. It will at least generate a couple of new hits for the man who can already claim the world's most beautiful songs, the man who has these recollections of being in Dallas. I remember it being very sort of flat. That was the kind of uh, first impression. I didn't expect it to be quite that flat. But uh, we had a nice time there. Ironically, I had just about the same impressions of McCartney's new movie. Chris Thomas, Channel 8 News. As the movie's opening day draws near, the press has started to weigh in on their opinion of the film, having seen the pre-release. After the ball, after the ball, you were the one out in the hall, you were the one. The one who would love me after the ball After the ball After the ball You 
Next interview is with CBS Television. Movie critic Gene Siskel interviews Paul and gives him his opinion of the film. There's only one guy who counts down that way, Paul McCartney, the former Beatle. He's made a new movie. He plays himself. I met McCartney this morning at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. McCartney was in Chicago to talk about his latest movie, Give my regards to Broad Street. To me, a lot of it is mindless music video madness. And I told McCartney that, and he didn't like to hear it. I think it, it comes off pretty warm in the... I think so, anyway. Even if you don't. You know, he's rubbish, this film. And I'm sitting here doing this bloody interview for him. I mean, isn't that terrific? You know what I mean? I think it's pretty terrific. You know, I brought that glass of orange juice in here for, don't you, Gene? I have a feeling. That's why you know, I I've decided not to do it. You're smiling and being so charming, I've decided against it. We nearly had some headlines there tomorrow, Gene. That's right. Actually, I told McCartney I wouldn't mind if he threw that orange juice at me because it was freshly squeezed and not from concentrate. He has a lot of class. It was a kick to talk to him, of course. Any Beatle fan would be thrilled to do so. I just hope he makes a better movie next time. Mike, Can he still get around uh, in public without people screaming and tearing no. his clothes off? <laughs> no. That hasn't I subsided? Saw, not at all. I saw a lot of screaming. I saw two girls at the lobby, at the 12th floor of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel just start hugging there, hugging each other because he had handed, one of the girls had handed him uh, one of her pet rings and uh, favorite rings and in fact, just went he, crazy. In fact, if he had dumped the orange juice on Gene, he would have had his jacket framed. <laughs> Next interview is for the CBS music show titled Rocker with Paula Yates and Rob Leonard. Listen, we're going to do three things. The audio portion is going to be on my radio show tomorrow. We're going to take a, a news bite out of this for WGN News. They're a super station. But this is also going to be on a syndicated show called Rocker with a young lady that I think you know, Paula Yates. Mm -hmm. Paula is going to be the hostess of this show. Everybody ready? So we're going to do a whole lot of things. Yeah. Cameras rolling? All right, let's go. Roy, it's all yours. Have a good time. There's a marvelous scene in Give My Regards to Broad Street in which we see this kind of ragtag, decrepit former rock star standing in front of a subway station 
singing a Beatles song called Yesterday with this perfectly awful skiffle rhythm, hmm. hoping that people will throw money into his guitar case. I just kind of wondered if at any time, especially in the early career of Paul McCartney, if he thought he might be there someday in reality. I was there. Were, were yeah, I used to, yeah, we used to do sort of similar things to that, you know, once. And I think when you get famous, you, you remember that you used to do that, you know, and it, you get a little bit removed from the people on the street, obviously, when you, you know, you closeted off in hotels and stuff. And uh, I just said to the director of the film, I said, I'd really love to do that, you know, I'd love to just get out in the West End and just go and busk. Uh, and he said, I've got just a moment where we could work it in, you know, because the moment at the end, as you mentioned, where I imagine uh, all is lost, can uh, dissolve to the busking scene. And so they dropped me off in the West End of London. Uh, kind of just made me look a bit like a street musician and stuff. I took my old guitar and they dropped me off and for about five minutes I was a little bit embarrassed expecting people to recognize me and stuff. They didn't. There was only one fellow that recognised me. He, he was a punk. He turned out to be American. <laughs> are you Paul McCartney? I said, are you kidding? But, um... So it was fine, really. After a little, after those five minutes, I started to get quite cocky, and I started to really try and attract attention, because you know they weren't looking. Um, it was great fun. Actually, I was out there for about an hour. Nobody really recognised me. Did you decide what song you were going to sing and how you were going to sing it? Yeah, I just thought, you know, if I'm going to be out there, it's you've got to keep it pretty breezy, you know, because uh, you know, it's, this is live. And uh, so I decided to just do this version of Yesterday. And also in, in the film, we'd set it up earlier on. I'd done a kind of proper version of it. So we thought, uh, you know, it had worked that way. Uh, I like those crummy versions with bad chords, you know. <laughs> it's a bit like, was it Joe Stafford used to do all that stuff? Sure. Joe Stafford uh, used to sing You Belong to Me. Oh, out of tune and stuff. Yep. I used to love that. <laughs> Roy Leonard with Paul McCartney for Rocker. Y'all set? We go yeah. Yep. Oh, no one. I'm so Thanks, glad you put that in. Well, I've well, always loved the song. Great. My, my little daughter. Well, one of my daughters. She's got to love that song, Dad. Is it a new one? Yeah. I've never heard it. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I enjoy the film. Really. That's okay. fine. Good, man. Good. Thank you. Nice well, to see you here. Enjoy Cheers. the film. Your day breaks, your mind aches. You find that all the words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. She wakes up. She makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you, and in her eyes you see nothing. No sign of love behind the tears, cried for no one. A love that should have lasted years. You want her, you need her, and yet you don't says her love is dead you think she needs you 
nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years You stay home, she goes out She says that long ago she knew someone But now he's gone, she doesn't need him Your day breaks, your mind aches There will be times when all the things she said Will fill your head, you won't forget her And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one Love that should have lasted years Having finished a long day of interviews, Paul and Linda fly to Los Angeles, California on October 20th for additional promotions and to attend the West Coast premiere of Give My Regards to Broad Street. Yesterday, McCartney. Unless the tapes are found by midnight tonight, so the consequences will be very serious. Man on the, run. the mystery. Man on the run. You don't think Harry is going to do a stupid thing like that, do you? Yes, I do. The music. Well, it's not my fault. I didn't hire him. Once a villain, always a villain, right? The movie. What are we gonna do? I never expected you to end up like this. Paul McCartney. Give my regards to Broad Street. On October 22nd at the Beverly Hills Hotel, Paul conducts six short filmed interviews before heading over to the Westwood Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles for the premiere of Give My Regards to Broad Street. The first interview was for Canada's CTV network show Canada AM with Ann Romer. You can't be stupid enough to think that, that you're always going to be it. You know, I mean, it's nice to even be part of it, you know. But, um, You've got to know that there's going to be people coming up who are going to um, outdo you with sensationalism or youth or um, just um, making themselves available to the public. But I, I like that. You know, I've always liked the fact that uh, you're not alone in the business, that there's the Rolling Stones who are your rivals and stuff. It's always quite a friendly rivalry. So now, I, I, good luck to them. I, I like them. I mean, I suppose what's a bit freaky is seeing someone like Julian in the charts, you know, because he's actually the son of a friend, you know, I mean, that's, but uh, to me, you know, there's no real age limit, you know, you can, um, as long as you make good music and stuff, I don't really think it matters too much. Let me ask you this, will we still need you when you're 64? I hope so. Paul McCartney, talking with Canada AM's Anne Rome. The second interview was done for the morning show Today with Bobby Wygant. Paul, I have to tell you, I really enjoyed Give My Regards to Broad Street. Oh, thank you very much. And I have to tell you that in 20 years of traveling around, having celebrities come to me, never have my associates at the station 
been so excited. They, are you really going to talk to Paul McCartney? It was, you know, if I were talking to the Pope, I don't think they'd be any more impressed. Is she really going out with him? This leads me to wonder about something. Could Beatlemania start all over again because of Broad Street? Well, I don't, I don't know, really. You know, it's, it's strange because um, the record companies, what they're doing is they're re-releasing a lot of the Beatles stuff and um, showing all the old videos. So, I mean, of its own volition, I mean, it's, it's kind of happening in a small way anyway, you know, because uh, the young kids haven't seen it. That's the amazing thing. As to whether, I don't know, I'll kick it off again, I don't know. You know but, um, it's nice to know that uh, there's kind of still a lot of young kids out there who, who haven't heard songs like um, Eleanor Rigby and For No One and stuff. I mean, my own kids say to me, I love that song, For No One, Dad. You know, is that a new one? No. <laughs> Before you're a twinkle in my eye. Well, and of course, Ringo is with you in Broad Street. Uh, was George invited to participate? No, uh, the thing was, George is out of the country anyway. He lives out of the country uh, part of the year. But um, the truth of the matter is, Ringo and I are the hams. Uh, George was always a bit quieter. And uh, he, I don't think he has any ambitions in front of the camera. So that when we'd make Hard Day's Night, George would kind of sort of say, oh, you know, all this acting and stuff. And he was just, it was his personality, and it's not uh, being sulky or anything. He just actually doesn't like to get in front of the camera. You know, there's some people who don't like to be photographed, and, and there are some people who are hams. I'm afraid uh, Ringo and I fall into the later category. The movie, I suppose some people are going to want to compare it to Hard Day's Night and help, and it's nothing like that. No, that's true. Uh, so did you purposely want to get away from that, Paul, or...? Well, not really. I think Hard Day's Night and Help were about the Beatles. I mean, that's what they were about. They were um, just made around the Beatles' life kind of thing. So I think that that particular kind of humour that came from four fellas knowing each other very intimately and, um, I mean, like you say, at your press conference when you stood up, we all sort of, uh, as one, you know, we saw you on the telly. Um, that kind of thing was peculiar just to the Beatles. And... Uh, I wouldn't want to even try and recreate that, you know, because that was its own thing. Paul, I could sit here the rest of the day and talk with you and be perfectly happy to do it, but there are others standing in line. Again, congratulations on Give My Regards to Broad Street. Thanks, Bill. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope it's a big hit for you because I want you to make another movie, okay? Okay. <laughs> Will All you buy right. that? I'll buy that. All right. Come to Texas and see us again. All right, y'all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. That was lovely. Yesterday, all my troubles seemed so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me Oh, yesterday came suddenly Why she had to go, I don't know She wouldn't say
yesterday Love was such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday The third interview was for Showtime's network TV show titled Hollywood Close-Up with Bill Harris. You know, Paul, I, I hope I phrased this question correctly. So do I. You have, <laughs> you have been in such a unique place in our culture, and there are people who tend to treat you almost like a saint, and I wonder how that feels to you. I've got a kind of safety valve on all that stuff. I don't really believe it. You know, I know that they react. It's like Paul is dead. You know, when that one came out. And you weren't? I, I don't think so, anyway. There just might have been, you know, possibilities for... No. Um, you know, what, what are you going to do when someone, the rumor comes out that you're dead and the fellow rings you up and says, uh, what should I tell him? So, I don't know. But um, I think you learn to just get a kind of tough skin on all that kind of stuff when you're um, part of something like the Beatles. One last question about the movie. Is this a frightening experience for you? Not really, actually. I mean, I've got, we've got a celebrity premiere tonight, you know, and I've actually thought, oh, God, all those famous people are going to watch my movie, and they all know movies, and they're going to spot mistakes and everything. But I've decided to think, what the hell, they're only a bunch of people. Ah, you got, got it. You it's got the only way you can look at it, yeah? Good luck with the movie. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. The fourth interview was for the USA Network cable TV show titled Seeing Stars, hosted by Jim Finnerty. We have a show with quite an international flavor for you on this edition of Seeing Stars. Hi, I'm Jim Finnerty. Awfully glad you could join us. Two movies from Great Britain, another set in Paris, and an all-American comedy headline our show tonight. These are the 20th Century Fox Studios in Los Angeles, and a lot of great movie musicals have been made here in the past. Well, now Fox has a, another great musical to share with you. It's called Give My Regards to Broad Street, and it stars an internationally known musical star none other than Paul McCartney. You're one of the world's great songwriters, but, but this, you're not one of the world's so-so songwriters? So-so. <laughs> Go on, Kay. Flattery will get you every minute. One of the world's great songwriters. This is the first screenplay you've ever written, though. Mm. Did you have any apprehensions about doing that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing I've ever done before. And as a kid, writing essays and stuff, I didn't find it came easy. Um, but uh, I'd been doing, I'd tried one or two things before this, and I'd started to get into it, so I was, I felt confident that I could write something. I think the worst problem is knowing that uh, some of the people who are going to criticize the film are writers themselves. So that, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a new writer yourself, and they've been writing for 20 years, you get a little bit of the feeling that they're going to immediately think, well, I could have written it a whole lot better. But do, criti from that. do critics generally bother you if they say, oh, we don't like it? Do you feel bad? Do you even read it? Well, I hate to tell you, I do. And, um, I mean, when Linda first came over from America to England, um, she, she, I had uh, the cover of one of the things I'd been on on the wall. She said, I didn't even think you'd notice stuff like that. I didn't even think you'd be aware of that. You're going to be above all that stuff. But, you know, I'm just human. You know what it's like? It's like exams. It's like being marked at school. <laughs> you know, seven out of ten. Yay. See me, you know. Nay. Just the big yay or no. Where did I go wrong, my love? What petty crime 
The fifth interview is given to the TV music show Solid Gold with host Rick Dees. dream right now because I don't know one of my idols of all time is sitting right here next to me. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a privilege to bring to you Stevie Wonder. You have to be the greatest of all time and I do feel that way down deep within and uh, it's like song after song. Is there any limit well, the songs that I wrote, all of the various tunes throughout my writing history have all been stolen by Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I got to tell you, I, I talked to Paul McCartney, and uh, he actually said that it was his pleasure to work with you on Ebony and Ivory, and he was looking for you during the last song, but you never called him. Listen, tell, tell Paul that he's just uh, very jealous because when we were in Montserrat, he found that I was a better driver than he was. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Paul McCartney. <laughs> well, let's see what Paul has to say right now. Rick Dees is as popular in England as he is here in America. No one knows him in England either. <laughs> Give my regards to Broad Street. Uh, is this obviously an autobiographical type movie? It's, uh... It's kind of based on that sort of thing, you know, it's based on the day of my life, but we, uh, we yuck it up a bit, you know, it's kind of parody, really. It's, really? it's not deadly serious. But I saw it, and uh, the music is unbelievable. I mean, you, did you feel funny re-recording, like, yesterday, and Alan Rigby? And... I thought it was going to feel a bit strange, you know, because it's like a long time since I did those. Um, not so much yesterday, but like Alan Rigby and for no one, and here, there, and everywhere. I realized I'd never actually done those songs on camera, ever. Ever, ever, you know, because I'd, you like for no one, I'd write it, bring it to the studio, record it, and that was it. I'll look at all the lonely people. I'll look at all the lonely people. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been. Lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people. Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. Where do they all belong? Father Mackenzie writing the words to a sermon that no one will hear. No one comes near, look at him working, donning his socks in the night when there's nobody there. What does he care? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Died in the church and was buried along with her name Nobody came, Father Mackenzie Wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave No one was 
The sixth and final interview for the day is for MTV. The taped interviews will be used in their shows Extra and Liner Notes. We just wanted to make a particular kind of film that, uh, you know, that the script was, which is kind of um, sort of lighthearted, you know, fun kind of thing. Romp, wacky romp. When you put a British film crew together with someone like myself, Ringo, and add a few sort of uh, rather British elements, I think you can't help it, you know, that kind of little humor starts to appear, that British look starts to appear on, on the screen. It's inevitable with uh, me and Ringo together, you'll get a little flavor of that. It's kind of fantasy day in my life, and uh, somebody rings me up early on in the film and tells me that the tapes to our new album have gone missing. Yes, Steve. We're up a gum tree, Mecca. Why, what's up? The whole bloody game's up. The tapes have vanished. Don't tell anyone. I'll be right with you. It's actually based on a story about Sex Pistols' first album. That was lost for a little while. Um, in this film, they tell me mine's missing. And the story is about the ensuing panic that uh, generally all the sort of business people have. What happens is I've got a friend in the film who's got a criminal record, so everyone naturally assumes it's him. But I don't. I stick up for him. I'm not a bloody criminal. Look, no mask, I ain't got any dynamite. Left it all at home. If you're fibbing and you do one thing wrong, you'll be out. I mean it. But if you're straight with me, you'll be in. I'll tell you, the joke was that when we were making the film, uh, you know, people were, were saying this kind of thing wouldn't happen, or, or would it happen, kind of thing. And uh, some fellas broke into Abbey Road and um, over, overpowered the, uh, the guy. Probably just asked him to sit down, please. <laughs> but, you know, like, whatever. And uh, they got in there. And they were going to steal our masters. The great thing was they couldn't find them because they're so badly filed. <laughs> That's the truth. Do you think of yourself as an ex-Beatle? I don't know, really. I mean, um, I think of myself just as me, you know. I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't have to analyze me like you guys do. It's not my job, you know. I can just be. And so I don't kind of go around thinking, good morning, ex-Beatle. Get up, ex-Beatle. You know, it just it doesn't... But I definitely was in the Beatles, and they were great group. I don't consider myself to be the world's greatest actor, you know. Um, whilst I am booking for an Oscar, um, I don't exactly think that uh, Robert De Niro's got to kind of look over his shoulder just yet. Sue? Hey, Bobby, what can I say? 
Having finished the interviews for today, Paul and Linda leave the Beverly Hills Hotel to attend the Hollywood party at the Le Bistro restaurant in Los Angeles. We're on the street in Beverly Hills, California, in front of the Bistro restaurant. And behind me is Paul McCartney and his wife, Linda, because they've just arrived for a very special party. It's the premiere party for Paul's new movie, Give My Regards to Broad Street. It's got some tapes that go missing, and there's a bunch of music in it, and uh, I stick up for the good guy. Sure. Only way. I was looking for the script. Under the, under the table, under the carpet, everywhere. Look, found it eventually. Yeah, it's in the cupboard. television behind you. Oh, no. oh, for the Aussies. Not Australian television. Yes, the Tonight oh, Show. Wake up. Let's talk about this movie and the music. What is your favorite song from the movie? Favorite song from the movie is probably No More Lonely Nights, because it's current. But um, all time, uh, maybe here, there, and everywhere, or for no one. It's been 14 years since your last film. Are we going to have to wait another 14 years for the next one? No, I shouldn't think so. You know, um, really the thing was, it was in looking for a script, you know, and uh, over the last couple of years. So I reckon we could find one quicker next time. Now, you wrote the screenplay, but I'm sure Linda chipped in. No, I didn't chip in no, one she word. didn't chip in. No, she did the cooking. I made the chips. Thanks. But did he, did he check with you from time to time and ask you what you thought? No. Not no. Never consult the wife. There's a rule for you. <laughs> I mean, all right. You're still a very young man. You've had tremendous success. What have you not done that you would like to do? Um, yeah, uh, I don't know, really. Uh, I still feel like there's a lot out there to do, you know. I'm still trying to write a decent song. Watch out. So you stick with me, I'll show you the scenes. About Paul's suit, uh, what, what color do we call that? Um, I call silk. that green taffeta. Green taffeta? You disagree, Paul? Yeah, I call it green shot silk. Green shot silk? Green shirt silk? Cool. You make your own mind up, viewers. Just what is Paul's suit? Is this a new trend, perhaps? No, it's a very old trend, actually, this one. <laughs> I have to, one question about the movie. Uh, judge yourself as an actor. What do you think? Yeah! All know. right, Marlon Brando. Tell me, I don't know. Well, we haven't seen the premiere yet. I just like to... Okay, you tell me afterwards. Not the movie, not the movie, just yourself as an actor. Movie. He's good. Well, I'll tell you, I enjoy it. So that's all I'm, I can say, really. I don't know if I'm any good or not. I don't think Robert De Niro has a lot to worry about just yet. Well, you know, I don't Thank think he's you. writing any Thank songs you. either. Thank no, well, this is it, see? I'll see you a bit later. Thank you very much. Can we get you for a second? Paul, Paul. 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 Excuse me, Paul. Is, is Ringo here? No. No. Do you know when he's going to get here? No, he's not coming. Well, uh, I guess you'll do that. Can you say goodnight, L.A.? Goodnight, L.A. What is life?
life like for you these days? I mean, what do you what do you do with Wonderful, your life? Wonderful, Gary. I like to live a quiet, retiring life in places like this. I see that. But what do you when you're not here? What do you do? You you live in England mostly, right? Yeah, I put my feet up. I spend a lot of time with the kids, and I take it easy on the farm. Quite a change from this. What kind of farming? Sheep. Sheep. <laughs> Are you proud to be a wife of a photographer? I sure am. I sure am. You want to meet her? Yes, I would very much. Hey, Gary, Mr. McCartney, talk to me about photography for a second. I, I have to. to. Uh, how much of your life do you devote to that? Do you, uh, is, it a, is it a real passion, a real forever thing? Yeah, I, it's spontaneous with me because I don't need to set up lights. I just, all the time. Do you have a nice studio? No. <laughs> Natural light. Thanks, Gary. We got a mingle, Gary. See you a bit later. Thank you. When Paul McCartney arrived at the celebrity party for his new movie, he found one of the most crowded mob scenes Hollywood has served up for any star. Was it enough to drive him crazy? Not really. I wouldn't come if it drove me crazy. After partying with the stars, Paul's next stop was to meet the fans, as his first film since 1970 had its Los Angeles premiere. He's fantastic. He's one of the Beatles, and nobody can touch the Beatles. Is He's wonderful. It was like the Hollywood days of old. Lots of people, fans, media persons, and celebrities all awaiting the arrival of the evening's main star. Celebrities from the film, music, and television world started arriving around 6.30 p.m. From Kenny Loggins to Victoria Principal and Priscilla Presley. From the party, everyone went to nearby Westwood, where an anxious crowd awaited. Now here at the theater, a crowd is somewhat reminiscent of the old Paul McCartney days when he was with the Beatles. The PA system is playing a constant stream of Beatle music. It's a little like 20 years ago, screaming teenagers and crying girls. Five thousand fans lined the street outside the theater. When the McCartneys arrived, they went wild. This is Paul and Linda McCartney's first publicity tour in some 10 years. McCartney not only stars in the film, but wrote a screenplay as well. Well, that's it from here, Bert. Back to you. Gentlemen, I'm sure you'd like to be the first to know. We got the tapes.
Paul releases the soundtrack album to Give My Regards to Broad Street. Here's one of the results of Paul's songwriting from the soundtrack of Give My Regards to Broad Street. This is No Values. Ringo stars on Saturday Night Live. This is Ringo Starr. As you know, he played drums for Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. Oh, and the Beatles. Yeah, 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 them too. Tonight he's hosting Saturday Night Live. And George goes on stage with Deep Purple. They're my neighbors, two of them, John and Ian. They live by me. I've known them now for probably eight, nine years. Next on Yesterday and Today. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. Here's Paul McCartney. No matter how many hit singles and number one records a songwriter writes, there's, there's always one song that you wish you could have written. Uh, in my case, that one song is... Disco Duck. <laughs> Never in the history of music has there been a better marriage between words and melody. And now, the artist who wrote and made this classic, famous recording is going to perform it right here in front of you. One of my songwriting heroes, in fact, my songwriting hero. Singing Disco Duck, let me hand you over to Rick Dees.
Contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad (laughs) from his better show than ours. (laughs) Wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. You can head to our social media pages, that's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast, or facebook.com slash third men, or you could head to society Six dot com slash Kaminsky family podcast that's society the number six dot com slash k-a-m-i-n-s-k-i family podcasts yeah keep our lights on i'm in the dark <laughs> dad any words of wisdom hello the lights just went out <laughs> guys we need your help <laughs> buy stuff perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows and if you haven't got yours please send forth in and get a free one all right Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me.